0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Goldbridge Saves Football Podcast. Uh, We're back live. It's not quite the return of proper football, still international football, but we've got lots to get our teeth into. We're going to be talking about the sale of Manchester United and how that not only impacts Manchester United, but how it impacts everybody else. I mean, do you have to have big money these days? We've seen it with Birmingham and Rooney getting rid of a normal manager for a sensationally big name. Is that the way to be successful in football these days? We'll be talking about that. We'll also be talking about hipsters and how they're destroying the game we've got our either ors and we've got a brilliant new section about whose path would you whose career path would you change if you could i can't wait for this section will welcome how are you doing
1: yeah i'm all good thank you uh yeah i'm a big southgate fan as it's been well documented on this podcast but i mean england australia nil and then at time. i turned it off and i put rick shield's golf channel on because even i could not uh bear to watch the end of that it was awful and I'm excited for Premiership Championship and Rooney 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 did England win England 1-0 I think yeah Oli Watkins
0: oh yeah I saw the goal Watkins tapped it in and Grealish got Moody didn't he because he thought he'd nicked the goal from him but it wasn't going in anyway anyway we spoke about that too much let's fly into well first topic I suppose let's talk about the sale of Manchester United international break is generally boring it's the time the weekend, it's always the weekend where I say, let's do something. Centre parks, a big walk. It, you know, you went to Cornwall, Will. This is this is the time to do something. Well, here's a story for you. Um, I was sat, I'd, I'd booked a meal at the local Chinese restaurant for six o'clock. I booked it weeks ago. I was like, absolutely. The wife was like, that's a bad time on a Saturday night. Absolutely not. There's no international football. There's nothing going on at all. Sat down, big grin, get the prawn crackers in, ordered my, uh, pint just checked the phone i thought oh there's a few whatsapps there looked at it man united shake jazim has pulled out and Sir jim's gonna buy the club i thought oh shit hold the crispy duck i've got to go and do a live stream
1: did you leave the chinese straight away did you leave the duck on the table
0: no no i actually i actually just got on the whatsapp and said to ryan get somebody to do it and they were all like we're out we're out it says you'll be out of a job if you don't do something Wow! Uh, so they, I did. Do you think it, they I, planned
1: I, I, it like that because it was uh, an international break? And do you think obviously the the stories are big and you know there's a lot to digest into that? But international break needed to come out then.
0: um I think yeah, probably not a bad time. United are quite big on the PR. Uh, I mean, obviously that story for anyone who wasn't aware, Sheikh Jazim from Qatar was trying to buy Manchester United. So Jim Radcliffe was trying to buy Manchester United. At 6 o'clock on Saturday night, it was announced that uh, Qatar had pulled out of the deal, um, which is what normally happens. The the loser pulls out before it's announced who the winner is. And so Jim Radcliffe will buy Manchester... Well, he'll buy 25% of Manchester United. The Glazers will stay. Uh, Some United fans are happy with that. Some of us are absolutely devastated. You know, to be that close, that close. It's like, you know what it is? It's like going on a few dates with Margot Robbie and her hinting that she wants to marry you and then just disappearing she's gone, she's gone back to Australia or wherever she's from and uh, you're left with the you know, the school flame that's let herself go a bit
1: <laughs> Do you think um, I was just thinking when you were speaking then not about any of your old flames but is this more dangerous for other teams in the Premier League, like where will Sheik uh, end up like will he start looking at other clubs, Spurs have been mentioned before, is this the, the sort of ripple effect that will go on to that to use another podcast well, look- phrase
0: yeah, well, I want to get into this. It's an interesting opening topic because um, I think there's a there's a wider story here. I mean, I've done it to death on the United stand about the impact on Manchester United. But what I am interested in is the bigger picture on football. We've got Newcastle uh, acquired, what, nearly two years ago? They're now playing Champions League football from relegation in two years and they're only going to get bigger and better. Man City, longer story, but they're dominating football. Chelsea, Todd Bowley, spent a billion pounds in a year. That's three powerhouses in the Premier League already. And whilst Chelsea haven't been successful yet, it's only a matter of time. I I remember Blackburn Rovers, it was only a matter of time. So, you know, in the modern game, do you need to be uh, wealthy to be successful? And I think that, Obviously, what you've just said there, many Man United fans like myself, I would not have wanted a Manchester City owner mod- uh, Ownership model, but you know when when it's on the table, you become a bit of a hypocrite because you're like, well, it's the only way to be successful, and to miss out on that, I'm almost there's almost that stubborn defiance in me that go, well, the Glazers have screwed us over. I hope they do go and buy Spurs or West Ham and prove what they would have done for Manchester United because they may as well do it.
1: Yeah. But also, there's no there's no guarantee as well now that you know with all this money floating around and like we've seen Newcastle emerging to that top four and hopefully carrying on that Manchester United will be this top club in European football going forward if they don't get the the money which they they obviously definitely need and you know we've spoken a lot about Brighton we were speaking off air and you know bringing them into the mix because they are really successful and they are doing absolutely you know well above their means and they keep recycling bringing in all these new players. But we've spoken before about where does that change of expectations, right, they're in Europa League this season. They'll probably want to get Europa League again next season. If they don't, is that a failure? It's just managing expectations is the biggest thing in football, isn't it? Because you mentioned Birmingham City. I just want to top our football this year and we were well on the way of that. And It was just nice for me to know who owns the club. So I think success and expectations are such a big one to get into as well.
0: Yeah, and I think that it's all about, like you say, it's all about expectation because, well, Manchester United, if Sir Jim Radcliffe comes in and gets Sir David Brailsford or whatever his name is and the cycling team and, oh, look at me, I'm so successful, but makes Man United Brighton, that's not success. With all due respect to Brighton, it's not success to play good football and finish fifth. For Brighton, it's absolutely incredible, but for Manchester United, it's not. And I think that with all due respect to Brighton, they play good football, where everybody admires their recruitment and they are run fantastically well. But they're a small small club from a smallish town on the coast of south coast of England who are boxing way above their weight. If this was Millionaires Row and Man City live in a big mansion and Liverpool live in a mansion and Newcastle live in a mansion, then Brighton would be someone who lives in a smaller mansion that gets up at seven o'clock every morning and actually goes to work in all the places that make them the money while those lot are just creaming off their money because they're loaded. It's all very noble and empathetic, but ultimately it's never going to... Brighton are never going to win the league. They're not, they're not going to do that. We all know that.
1: Yeah, but we have seen... Like I, I think we all dream as probably neutral football fans of having another Leicester City season, don't we? Like That's the pinnacle for me because... And it won't happen. Well, yeah, never say never, you know, this is football, there's a dream. But I just think that's what we all crave for because at the end of the day, if it is going to be sort of this closed shop where, right, you can come in the top four if you've got four billion, right, you're in, now let's have a party. We might as well just start the Super League. So I think the unpredictability is something that I hope still remains and, you know, maybe someone like a Brighton, a Tottenham would be a yeah. Tottenham would be in that category as well. But look
0: at where Leicester are now. They're in the Championship. And look, not for one minute will anybody from Leicester say, we don't care about being in the Championship if, if we won the Premier League like we did, and they won an FA Cup as well. So compar- You know, when it comes to levels for Leicester, they'll be very happy to be in the Championship as long as they've won the FA Cup in the Premier League in the last 10 years, which they have. Um, but for Manchester United, when it comes to the big prizes, I think the the question I would pose to the listener and to you, Will, and everybody would be, Can you be successful these days without what Man City have got and Newcastle have got? I mean, to be honest with you, Liverpool, I think, you know, can you compare Sir Alex Ferguson to Jürgen Klopp? Obviously not, even with red-tinted glasses. But Jürgen Klopp has been Sir Alex-like to Liverpool. He is an entity, an enigma that has... Basically, single-handedly given Liverpool the ability to fight against the odds. I mean, they don't have what Man City have got, and yet they can compete with it. But I don't think that's logical that Liverpool can do that. That that the, anybody who's competing with Man City and Newcastle are, are doing it with one arm behind their t- tied behind their back. And I think that's why so many rival fans are taking the piss out of Man United this weekend because they're not getting guitar and they're getting Sir Jim. And you can learn a lot from rival fans and they're basically laughing at United because they're like, well, you know, if they'd got guitar, there would be very different reactions. If it was guitar being announced as Man United's new owners, it wouldn't be laughing and mocking like it is with Sir Jim. It would be, oh yeah, oil money, you know, cheat code and all that lot. So, but I think if you want to be successful, you have to do that. That's my opinion.
1: I just, I, with the guitar thing as well, there's so many like, you know, I think David Beckham came out last week and was very cryptic about the sort of the yeah. guitar ownership and you just wonder when the plug was pulled in this because with all those, you know, different players have come out and different journalists have said different things, but then it just felt quite sudden for it to end like that and I just, mm. yeah, wonder if even uh, Shakespeare's in will feel a bit scorned and then, yeah, maybe look to do what you were worrying about and Tottenham and West Ham and then I just worry just because yeah I don't want it to become that closed shop at the top where you have to have that X amount of billions to say like we're competing this season and the the quality of the Premier League I think is such where I just hope that we can see another another Leicester another Brighton just competing and uh, getting up there
0: Well the thing is as well is that apparently Sheik Jazim wanted Man United because he supports Man United but That never stops a Jim Radcliffe. He tried to buy Chelsea and Barcelona before his dream boyhood club. So there may be a scenario where they look at Abu Dhabi and they look at Saudi Arabia and they go, look, we want a Premier League club. We want to compete with them. You know, it's, it's been a very positive, some people call it sports washing, but it's been a very positive thing for Abu Dhabi and it's been very positive for Saudi Arabia. Um, And especially when it's regions of the world that don't necessarily have the best reputation in the West, let's be honest. So, this Newcastle positivity and Man City positivity is brought about by these uh, Middle East states, isn't it? So, I still think that maybe Qatar will, and Man United would have been a huge positive PR machine for them, whatever their, their whatever their motives are. But the thing is, I don't, I can't remember how much Newcastle costs. You know, again, somebody leaves uh, um, leave that post in the Spotify answer bits. But Man United, the Glazers are greedy and they wanted north of five billion pounds. You buy Man United, you've got to build the stadium. It's rusting. I mean, how embarrassing is that, Will, that the 2028 tournament is being held in England and the biggest domestic ground isn't even on the shortlist? Yeah. You buy West Ham, it's not five billion to buy West Ham. It's probably more like one and a half billion, considering Chelsea went for two. You buy West Ham, you've got a 60,000 capacity stadium, right in the smack in the middle of a bit of East London. and And, and ultimately... What's the difference between Man United and West Ham? A fan base, okay, but stadia, infrastructure, Premier League team, spend money on it, it becomes good. The, 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 there's a cheaper business model out there for Qatar where they don't have to spend five billion on Man United, where they can spend half that, less than half of that, and spend the rest of it on building a bloody good team. And And if they do that with West Ham, then that's another team into the top four, isn't it?
1: Do you think we're, it's probably a bit deep for a Monday evening as we record this on an international break, but do you think we'll ever have a sort of like football tipping point? Like I watched the big short the other day about the the housing market where just there's so much money going into football and it's getting bigger and bigger each year. Surely there's a tipping point where, you know, we're going to come on to it about the actual quality of the game and the entertainment of that. There's like a tipping point where it's just, it's not sustainable for, and we are seeing it at the bottom of the pyramid, but even at the top.
0: Um, I think the money side of it will always be dependent on how long these billionaires want to play with their play toy, really. But realistically, I think there's a few more... There's plenty more petrol in the tank in relation to money to be made from football. Um, my big concern about football is, is probably something for another podcast, which is just the sheer volume of games. Um, there was a player last week. I forget who it was. I think it actually was Danny Murphy after he'd been slagging me off, saying that players... Um, shouldn't be moaning about how much game time they've got. I mean, that's a worse take than what he said about me. Cause I'm like, oh, hold on a minute. Some of these players are playing ridiculous amounts of football for, uh, two or three times a week. That's going to be the biggest problem because there's, as we know, um, we've got this section coming up where we're going to have a player each that we'd like to relive their career, you know, without something or in a different time, which is going to be interesting, but there's not, there's not an infinite amount of good players. And, if you run those, it's like, it's like having 10 top horse races at horses who were brilliant at horse racing, and you run them every day and they have to retire. Well, you, you'll end up with four or five. And the same thing with football. There isn't an infinite amount of brilliant footballers, but we are running them into the ground. I think we might, do, it's a bit like that boxing thing on Saturday night, wasn't it? I watched it, maybe you watched it. A lot of people listening watched it. It wasn't boxing. It was just a pure money exercise for everybody involved and fair play to them. But we don't want to see that in football. We don't want to see football diluted. And yeah, there's a lot of money swashing about in it. Um, and I think you need it if you want to be successful. Now, I, I I, genuinely, I suppose the tagline I would say is, I don't think a Leicester City can happen anymore. I don't think that can happen.
1: Yeah, well, I, yeah, I really do hope it can. I, I just think with the level of the Premier League, I think we could see it again because the... Even down to the bottom, maybe not sort of Luton and Sheffield United, no offence. But I think that level is rising and getting behind. And I'm hoping, the way the Premier League is at the moment, that it can be the same as when we get into the final six games of the season.
0: Do you not think that happened last year, though? I mean, do you not think that the Brighton team last year was better than the Leicester team that won the league? It's just that there's Man City in there, there's Arsenal in there. The the trip that that was a perfect storm. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, so I don't even have to say to the youth well, you know you're not old enough to remember that Leicester City team that won the league. Spurs were their main competitor for most of the season. Then they bottled it, and Arsenal came second. Man City were going through some transition. Man United were as well. Um, Chelsea were as well. I mean, Leicester totally deserved that league title. They played very well. But what I found, I mean, look, let's not talk about style of play, but they basically counterattacked all season and people let them, but they deserved to win the league. But there I was just... what
1: I want in my football teams.
0: There's so many teams that were just going through transition or not having a good year and the doors just opened wide open. I just don't think that will happen. I mean, if Man City had an off season, there'd be Arsenal or Liverpool. I can't see a West Ham or a Brighton or an Aston Villa coming through and winning the league unless they were backed... I could see a Newcastle doing it and that would have been a surprise a couple of years ago but it wouldn't now be because they're owned by probably they're probably the richest club in the world
1: yeah well yeah but you only look at we said it before three weeks ago we were speaking about Manchester United sorry Manchester City doing the invincible season and then Rodri gets suspended they lose to Wolves and they lose to Arsenal and now we've got a bit of a title race on our hands so I do think they're a weaker squad this year just because of the amount of experience that's left and then you get a suspension to Rodri an injury to De Bruyne and there's not quite the experience there coming in to replace them where you you know you have got great talent in Nunez and, and Doku and everyone like that but not the experience maybe it will come to tell when you get to those final eight games and it's a little bit different
0: yeah maybe maybe um, anyway um, I don't think you can win anything without a load of money these days i.e. the Premier League let us know what your thoughts are on that I don't think we'll see another Leicester I think the closest we've got is Brighton and I can't see them getting anywhere near the league and they've got a good squad Brighton as well I just can't see them I don't think but you can also do
1: sorry just to interject as well it, it was sort of spawned out of having a chat about like what is success as well so you know The Premier League, the top six, the top four is well documented. But, you know, I'm a Birmingham City fan. I've managed to crowbar that into every podcast and every interview I do. But I remember being at Hartlepool two seasons ago in the Papa John's Trophy. There was a guy who was 80, never seen Hartlepool at at Wembley. And we were watching the semi-final there and they lost. So he still hasn't. And he's 80. So uh, he still, he, he might not never get to him. But that was like his pinnacle of getting to see his side at Wembley. So I think... We obviously get drowned in the top four and the top six chat, but success is very different across the ninety-two in the pyramid, the non-league, the different stories. So I just think maybe if you're feeling a bit lost with football, just casting it a bit further out to the the rest of the ninety-two. You know, you're feeling a bit up in the air with Manchester United. You know, I'm trying to get you down St Andrews. Maybe there's maybe there's a second or third club for you.
0: But no, look, I don't look. I'm. I've seen people saying stuff over the last couple of days. That's it; they're finished with Man United. I find that hilarious. It's like I'm not going to stop supporting Man United because the Glazers no. are ruining it. It's there's people in a lot worse situations supporting a lot worse clubs. I mean, think about Scunthorpe, Scarborough, Lincoln, and and it's not exclusively the East Coast. I mean, Torquay, Carlisle. You know, this is uh, this is proper support, and I'll always support Manchester United. The the problem is, is when your club's being sabotaged. Um, you, you know, as you said with Hartlepool, they know their level. They have a, you know, I mean, as I say, Brighton don't need to win the league to be successful. They're punching way above their weight. It's incredible. And their fans will love it. It's a bit like Spurs at the moment. They don't expect to win the league this year. People might talk about them winning the league, but they don't expect to do it. They're just loving what they're doing at the moment. And, and, and fair play to them. Fair play to them. Um, let's move it along, Will, because that was a good section, but, uh, there was something else that was on my mind this weekend and not normally with the lack of football, I suppose your mind wanders into other areas of football. And this is almost a, a Goldbridge saves football section, which is great because it's called Goldbridge saves football podcast. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I have, a th- I have had, I've heard, I heard an ex-player talking about this a few weeks ago. I can't remember who it was. And, and it's a shame really, because normally they talk nonsense, but this was, was, was something that actually made me think and go, that's a good point. And what they basically were saying was all these compilation clips that you see on YouTube or TikTok or Twitter, where it's like this. And, and normally, you know, sometimes it can be because a player is good. We've, you know, that it's always a joke, isn't it? When your club signs a player. Oh yeah, they're the best player in the world. I've watched them for three minutes on YouTube. But it works the other way as well, because it happened with David De Gea last year. Um, I've seen it happen with other players where, you know, these little editors, they they go and take little clips from games and... Why is everything got to be little? False narrative is basically what I'm talking about. Um, A one-minute clip of why David De Gea is a crap goalkeeper distribution-wise. And it's like they probably took it from about eight games into a one-minute clip. So what's eight times 90?
1: That's a great question.
0: 640. Lovely. And so 640 minutes of football, they compile it down to one minute. And show you why David Day is a crap goalkeeper on distribution, and I'm like, it's such a dangerous medium that's become such a big medium. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? When you, when you, I mean, look, I get it. It's, it's, I mean, TikTok short form content. It's, it's the buzzword of the youth and everybody, isn't it? But it's become this sort of, and also you get somebody that, you know, with all due respect, we've never played the game, but you get somebody who, who could be a 92 year old nobody or an 18 year old who's just come out of uni, and they'll go. This is why David De Gea is a bad footballer. This pass really should be going into the feet of Rashford so he can turn around and score a worldie. He's kicked his out for a throw-in again. Oh, look, the ball's back with De Gea. He's panicking. He should wear pampers. He's shitting himself. He's booted it to an opposition player. Oh, look, De Gea's first touch is like a trampoline again. He's kicked it to the touchline. He's shit. This is why we need to get rid of David De Gea, who's a legend for 10 years, and bring in some hipster goalkeeper from bruges who no one's ever heard about it has a pass completion rate of 99.8 percent. thank you bye more more videos on my tiktok at dill doe football
1: nice i think on this it's uh you know you you scroll through tiktok and twitter and it's you know it's not just football i see things and without thinking i've that i've made a and it's made an impression on me without So you know, this, yeah. oh, I don't like that person. And I've seen a six-second clip of them, which could yeah. be out of context. I think the the Twitter bot thing needs to be a lot more prevalent for the maybe some of the stats stuff, you know, with, you know underneath where it's like, this is actually a clip from a 30-second video where David Hay yeah. hey actually was 9 out of 10. But I do think there's a bit of snobbery creeping into the game from like people that maybe like that so you know i like football for i love birmingham city that's number one i Do love football you Will? for you've never mentioned yes, birmingham before yes i got it in again ding um but i like it for the stories and and emotion and everything like that whereas some people can like it for the stats and everything i think you're allowed to like football whichever way you want but that doesn't mean you should start like pissing on other people's chips because they like it you know i like soccer no. i am some people didn't but no you can like football for other but- ways do you oh, like the up. British Bake Off? I love the... Well, I, I do, and I'm I'm willing to give it a second try now because Alison Hammond's in uh, I like Alison Hammond.
0: See, that would be a reason to turn off for me, but I've still stuck with it. But on the British Bake Off, if you've never watched it, they have the... I can't remember what's the second round called. Um, it's not no, the like technical. the Big Challenge.
1: The yeah, big it's not challenge. the
0: showstopper. It's not the technical. It's one in the middle, right? So basically... Oh, Paul the Blind Hollywood, Challenge. Yeah, so Paul Hollywood go, will go to nine contestants. Right, you've got to make me a Bakewell tart and they'll all make a Bakewell tart. They'll line it up and he'll come out and taste them blind, not knowing who's made what. And there'll be a different array of shit. And one of them will be a Bakewell tart, but the other eight will just be varying levels of crap. And that's what I think about these. um, That's what I think about these people who do these compilation clips. There will be some that are really good and somebody who really knows what they're on about will put something together that's really well constructed. And because I've watched that player, I'll go, oh, you know what? That's really good. You know, it might be something about skulls or something like that. This is why Paul skulls was so good, and you'll go, yeah, they've they've nailed that, they've nailed that. And then you'll see somebody who's got a complete and utter agenda against something and just wants to be proved right, and they'll go, why Zidane was the worst footballer and belonged in the national league, and they'll clip up Zidane losing the ball ten times. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing. I don't. It's like quality control, isn't it? There almost needs to be a bit. There almost needs to be a teacher or somebody who assesses it and goes rubbish go back and do it again but they don't because that's freedom of speech they're allowed to do it but then people do take it as read that because they've taken the time to do a voiceover in a compilation it must be true and it's almost like media manipulation or political manipulation you can put these compilations together and basically start an agenda on whoever you like i mean i would even say here we go here we go This, this is interesting will if anybody wants to do it, if you're on Spotify, we always leave a question, what did you think of the podcast? Lots of people reply and we post them up. If anyone can be asked and you want to you want to retweet off a big account, I will I will retweet anybody who does a compilation on Kevin De Bruyne, about 30 seconds, put it on your Twitter of why Kevin De Bruyne is crap and you just go and find Kevin De Bruyne passing the ball to the opposition or missing a shot really badly. 30 seconds, put it on your Twitter leave us a comment, I'll have a look through the week and if I see one, I'll retweet it and we'll see how many retweets it gets and how many comments it gets because I guarantee you can make anyone look shit and anyone look good on those 30 to 60 seconds compilation and and that's why I think that they're getting out of hand. They're getting out of hand, Will. They're going to take over the world.
1: Yeah, I think I think with that, it's like a, with, with stats, you know, I'll... You know. Been watching games with like Statman Dave in the past with Allcott and you know H who is very prevalent on Twitter who does fantastic stuff. I think especially with someone like H you see it and it's like you can see their passion for tactics coming through. And then all, for me it's almost like discovering a new band where you go you won't believe this at Atlanta centre back and I'm like oh I'm interested in that. Whereas the, some of the other ones that maybe shall remain nameless are yeah like you said are pushing an agenda and are but fortunately we're in a world now where you have to probably if you're trying to make a name, some people don't want to do consistency, don't want to put in the hard yards like those other guys that I've mentioned have and they just yeah. want the quick hit and they just want to get to the top of the tree without really putting the hard work in. So I think that's part of it. And look, I've seen it at a club that I support that I won't bring up for the third time, Nikola Zigic. I mean, I saw mm. the clips of him. I thought we were getting the new R9, the new Ronaldo. We weren't, but I do love him, but maybe not for the reasons of being a striker.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right, anyway, give us your comments on that. I think it's a very dangerous medium that is now everywhere and agenda-driven and you can spend a couple of hours and basically push something out that's well-polished, well-audio and, uh, you know, looks very, very presentable but is completely agenda-driven. I think you can make anybody look good and anyone look shit. The best way to watch football is to watch the games and and form your own opinion. Game in, game out. Um, Well, just on that as well,
1: sorry, because we were going to mention it as well, just about football itself because i said to you you know england australia and it's crept into my watching of it a little bit but just about sort of like it feels a lot of phase of play this and that individual i saw a clip with paul merson they were talking there was he was asked like do you think uh you know there'll be less players like you sort of the individual style of players and i do really feel like that is creeping into the game and for me being a bit Mm. older that's quite disappointing
0: I was having this chat actually watching the England-Australia game by accident. I was down the Masons in Solihull, big shout out. And um, there was a lot of people watching the match and we were sat there having a beer and uh, we were talking about football and Grealish and how he used to take people on at Villa and now it's been trained out of him. And we were saying that, I mean, it's almost another topic for another podcast because we were on about this before, weren't we, last week, about how the pressing game and playing out from the back is now becoming dangerous because everybody plays out from the back, so everybody is pressing better. So more mistakes are being made. It used to be play out from the back, easily play through the opposition's front line because they're not very good at pressing. You know, forwards are there to score goals. They're not there to defend. But everybody's front line now are workaholic defensive players as well as really good attacking players. So passing out from the back is becoming more harder. More mistakes are happening. We've seen it a lot in the last couple of weeks. And I was saying that the Zidane's, even Pogba when he was younger, certainly people like Gascoigne, players that can take on a player they're not encouraged to do it anymore. But actually, for me, it's it, it surely will return in the next evolution of football because if you look at the way Pep or De Zerbe set their teams up in the press and it's all about pressing as a unit. Well, if I'm an opposition player and I get pressed by De Bruyne, but I take him on and I go past him, I'm in 10 yards of space. And then they've got to break their system to come to me because I'm going to run towards them. And when they do, I'm going to pass the ball to the person they left. So I think there is an evolution of football going back it's definitely been trained out and it's really sad. I I saw Kyle Walker do it in a game last week against Arsenal. He was up against Odegaard on the right-hand side and he could have just knocked it past him and blitzed him for pace, but he turned round because the pass wasn't on and passed it back to his centre-back. And I was like, 10 years ago, he'd have knocked that past him and he's on the run. Uh, but they've obviously had it, they're obviously told not to do it now because it's all about the system and, you know, passing through the lines. And I think that There will be an evolution in football again where it's encouraged to take people on because if you, it doesn't matter what system you play. If someone goes past somebody, someone else has got to go to them. Otherwise, they're going to keep running and then your system breaks down. So, yeah, I just think we're locked into this world of passing out from the back and playing through the lines and possession and pressing as a team and passing as a team. And I think that there will be an evolution where we get some individualistic talent, which seems to have been forbidden at the moment.
1: Yeah, no, I hope so, and yeah, it feels as if they're just so programmed like AI robots, where like you said with the Kyle Walker thing, it's like, oh, hang on a minute, no, I can't do that because that is, yeah, against what I, everything I've been taught about. Well, the thing is, week,
0: so. if Car Walker knocks it past him and loses the ball, Pep's going to go. That's not what we're meant to do, you know. So it's yeah, that, that there's a risk to it, isn't there? But I think it's also it's a percent, football's a percentage game, isn't it? If I saw a brilliant clip actually talking about clips, brilliant clip uh, yesterday on one of these. Twitter accounts like football from the nineties or something, and it was just it was just it, the 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 tweet was keepers just smacking it nowhere, and it was all these goalies from like the early nineties and eighties who just were just throwing it up out of their hands and just booting it like as high as they could and as far as they could. And I remember going to watch matches like that, and they're not they've got no idea where they're kicking it; they're just kicking it into the final third and then letting it, you know, defenders head it or whatever. And I can see the evolution of football is good there because. Obviously, as a manager, you'd go, if we just boot it up the pitch, there's a 50-50 chance we lose the ball. Whereas if we pass it out from the back, there's a 100% chance we're in possession of the ball. And that's why everybody does it now. But it's becoming as risky as kicking it further up, isn't it? I mean, it's why some teams will boot it into the opposition half because it's far away from your goal.
1: For me, just give it to the bloody big man, stick it across in and let's head one in. And we'll all have a party and rejoice that football's back.
0: Um, let's move on anyway. Great points there. Enjoyed that. Um, We're going to do either or in a minute, but I've been excited about this one. So explain the premise of this, Will, because you've you've got your player. You don't know what mine's going to be, but you can go first on this.
1: Yeah, you know, I was just having a little think. It's a bit of a barren week, you know, but we still have great chat, and that's the main thing. But I was thinking there's some players that you get captivated by, but some for some reason, maybe an injury, something off the pitch, you know, who knows, whatever, their career gets derailed. But what if you could go back in time, pick that player and clear that path for him and say, Ooh, yeah. go on, son, go Pathway and Pathway to success. Life. Exactly. Go and win that Ballon d'Or that you won't win because you've done your shirt. And mine is a little bit different, I think. It's maybe not the sexiest position in football, but... Um, it was sort of when McAuley was bringing the McAuley role into play with the with the CDM and I got a little bit excited about that because that was maybe something I could do. Tackle, pass, you you play it with your good players. But Owen Hargreaves, um, mm. I quite like him as a pundit, but when he was at Bayern Munich, that was such a unique thing as growing up, seeing an Englishman playing out in Germany. Then obviously he came to Manchester United and had gr- really good success, but was just so waylaid with injuries and... I think about that performance against Portugal when I think we went down to 10 men after... Was Rudy it card. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he Will was count, just yeah. an absolute workhorse, but still had the quality. You know, he could bend a free kicking as well, but just was absolutely Good blighted penalty, yeah. with these injuries. He was... Um, yeah, he just... He had it all, and it was just injuries that stopped him. And, you know, he, he looks back at his trophy cabinet. It's absolutely fantastic. But I think as a player... We could have had a real sort of really big superstar there if it wasn't for injuries. So, Owen Hargreaves, let's go back in time. I've cleared the path. Go on, son.
0: Yeah, I remember I was very excited when we bought him because that must have coincided with Roy Keane going to, well, having his outburst and going off to Celtic. And then um, we, I think we bought Owen Hargreaves after that World Cup in 2006 or maybe 2007 I was really excited because I was like I think he's actually one of the best up and coming holding midfielders in the game. He played right back for Elizabeth a, a little bit, but he just never never really like you say it was so injury prone. Um so yes, Will's suggestion is Owen Hargreaves injury free. He's cleared his path of injuries and uh yeah, I think it th- there's absolutely no doubt that he he would have had a, a you know a very very good career. He was certainly being mentioned in the top echelon of European midfielders but just never had the consistency because of injury. There we go. What are your thoughts on that, people? Well, I've got one, Will, and uh, I wasn't aware we were doing this till just before the podcast, but one name, I think we should have it as a regular thing, maybe not every week, but we certainly should revisit it because I haven't had a lot of time to think, but I've got a bit of a different slant on this. Um, There was an absolute uh, barrage of top strikers available in England in the mid-90s. Obviously, I had Sheeran, Sheringham, um, Chris Armstrong, Les Ferdinand. Chris um, Sutton. Chris Sutton. Um, Stan Collymore, Robbie Fowler. There were so many, there were so many. And obviously you could only pick two and you went with Sheringham and Shearer. But what I would like to do is not clear his path of injury, is just drop him into a different time. So instead of being in his sort of early 30s in the mid 90s and catching the beginning of the Premier League and most of his career being in the 80s, I would drop Ian Wright as a 21-year-old, into Arsene Wenger's 98 side and give him 98 to 2010 in his 20s. Because I think Ian Wright was a a very underestimated striker who was probably ahead of his time in the early 90s. And he he came into the game a little bit old as well. I can't remember how old he was when he signed for Arsenal. But uh, really, really technical striker, goal scorer, quick. So I'd like to have seen Ian Wright 21 at Arsenal in 1998 and give him 10 years and see see what would have happened. I mean, it benefit Arsenal and not Man United. Might have stopped us winning the treble in 99. But uh, yeah, I think he, he would be an interesting one to, to give a run at in a different time and a longer career.
1: I like that as well. Just thinking with my England hat on as well, because obviously Shearer sort of ended around that 2002 mark. So if you've got a prime Ian Wright going into that, Ian Wright, Michael Owen, Ian mm-hmm. Wright, Wayne Rooney, there's some absolutely lovely striking partnerships there going forward.
0: He's a bit underrated, Ian Wright, really.
1: Yeah, I know 100%. Like you said he came into the game so late and you know he made made the most of what he got and then some and yeah yeah if he could have had just a bit Ian Wright and Thierry Henry as a as a prime Ian Wright and a prime Henry yeah I mean it could could have changed Manchester United's fortunes
0: I think we'll definitely revisit that. Um, Certainly, get in the comments uh, on Spotify and give us your suggestions and why. I'll look forward to reading and sharing some of those. Um, Certainly, we can share some of them next week as well. But let's get into either or. We do this each week. We like these. Some are topical. Some are a little bit more answering your questions. What have we got on either or this week,
1: Will? Are we going to start with a managerial one? Eric Ten Hag or Big Ange?
0: Ooh. I actually heard another podcast do this the other week, but let me just be clear. There will be producers of other podcasts watching our podcast quite clearly, picking up ideas. So, you know, we can do it as well. Um, I would say that right now, here right now, you'd have to say, Ange, better than Town Hogg if you're going for recency bias of this season. But if we're going for... Um, it's a hard one to do because Ange wasn't even in the Premier League last year. And I thought what Eric Ten Hag did last year with such a bad, inheriting such a toxic Man United side to take them to third and win a trophy and get to an FA Cup final, it gets forgotten, doesn't it? So I, I completely agree with the people who say, look, at what Ange has done winning two Premier League month in a row in his debut, you, you've, you've almost got to go with the recency bias. And I completely have got no issue with that if you want to go with Ange but obviously I'm a Man United fan I'm not going to do that I'm going to go with Ten Hag because of what he achieved in a whole season but I completely take on board I mean it's incredible what he's done Will winning two Premier League of the Month awards in a league not like that Leicester season where everyone else is not doing very well but in a season where Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Newcastle you know so many good teams and to win it twice is, is fantastic.
1: And losing their star player as well, which everyone thought was going to be the demise of them, But he's even turned that around. I like big Ange. I just like the energy. I think everything around him, you know, He's probably going to turn the other way eventually because not through any fault of his own, but because people will keep speaking about him in such a way. But the sort of the underdog story, I remember when he went in at Celtic and Alan Brazil was sort of mocking the decision, you know, saying, who's that? And, and, you know, he went on to win back-to-back trebles at Celtic. Just the humility of the man as well. But from a footballing perspective, he's got Spurs fans excited and doing it in a way where they're winning. Eric Ten Hag, for me, I don't watch nearly as much as Manchester United as you do. Still feels in this identity world that I don't know Manchester United's identity. And mm, that is a fair point. Eight, We're coming up to 18 months in the, in the job for him. But, you know, judging on the first season, he did well and could probably turn it around. There's so many factors going on at Manchester United that probably even stuff that we don't even know about. but. I know where you brought it in. You just wanted me to do my impression, which a lot of people have been, you know, relentlessly tweeting me about. So it's just great to see Big Ange. And I hope he does a bloody good job, Mark, because he's a great fan of the podcast, mate.
0: I'm going to check the stats of the podcast after this. And I guarantee that's where we lose 50% of the viewers again (laughs) the second week in a row um one thing i would say is if anyone knows Ange, just for a bit of content or just for just for charity will we would love to film will washing your car because he, he would he would love to do it and, it, and, it, and it, we're what? not talking soap and suds we're talking licking it and your ass afterwards anyway what's next <laughs> what about if,
1: if i what about if i interview big Ange as big Ange? you know yeah is my impression so good
0: they punch you in the face for being anti-australian
1: <laughs> Next up on the agenda, we have Unai Emery or Eddie Howe, keeping with the managerial theme.
0: Um, look, I think it's got to be Eddie Howe. Um, longevity on this one, it's not about recency buyers. I th- I think what Emery's done is great, and his record in those first few months taking over from Gerard with Gerard's squad cannot be underestimated. he he's made Aston Villa credible in less than twelve months. And um you know, they're doing very well, Aston Villa, and he deserves a lot of credit. But how can you compete with an English manager uh, who is in a relegation battle with Newcastle and uh, takes them out of that comfortably um, with people like Dan Byrne and Harvey Barnes and, you know, Craig Gordon, not Craig Gordon, what's his name? (laughs) Um,
1: Anthony Gordon.
0: Anthony Gordon. Craig Gordon was a goalkeeper for Hearts, I think. Scottish. Um, Trippier and also... You know, that night against PSG the other night just was a real symbol, I think, of just how much good work he's done. Top four was probably not, didn't get the exposure it did. So I'd have to say Eddie Howe out of the choice of two very, very good managers in the Premier League at the
1: moment. I think for me, it was, I remember watching Aston Villa last season when it was Gerrard's last game and they lost to Fulham. And I was having a right old evening. WhatsApp group dominated by Villa fans. They were in the mud, but it was sort of like, not, better know the devil you do something better like that because the next two days, Emery comes in, shoot up the league, European football, and the whole tide has turned at Aston Villa where you know, they're in that, you saw that Brighton and Spurs category where they could maybe push on for the top four. And that's all been led by him, sort of even the structural stuff above him um, with bringing people in as well and just changing the dynamic of the football club. But I think... I'll tell you what it's I, a, I don't, Go on. Go on. I I was just going to
0: say, because I'll forget, it's a dangerous thing with your rival, isn't it? Because it's really enjoyable when they're not doing very well. But you almost want them to, you know, be consistent. Like they they lose some games, but win some games. So they stick with the manager. Because I remember when Liverpool had Roy Hodgson and I was loving it. And then they were like, we're going to get rid of him. And fans are going to, fans are protesting. I was like, no, no, you've got to keep him a little bit longer. Because I was like, if they get rid of him, they might get the right manager in. And uh, that's obviously what happened there with you.
1: Well, I think the interesting one as well, if you cash your back mind even further, when Dean Smith left, Stephen Gerrard got the job. They There were strong rumours of Eddie Howe going into Aston Villa. And yeah. obviously they appointed Gerrard because, you know, what he did at Rangers and maybe a bit more of a name. And then that's what led the opportunity for Eddie Howe to go in at Newcastle. So um, I think I would go Eddie Howe just because, yeah, of everything he's done. You know, we can't look past that they have spent all that money and got... Uh, Bruno Gameres Isaac in there spent money with Kieran Trippier but like you said the coaching of players to have like Sean Longstaff scoring that goal against PSG Fabian yeah. Share, Dan Byrne I think yeah that just tips it for me and uh, maybe a little yeah bit Villa just PSG aren't box. aren't
0: there yet are they but um, they could be they could be
1: next they've got the money um, yeah. next we are looking at uh, I've got one down here it's stick to football or rest is football uh, a bit of podcast chat. You know, who are Stick they? to footballs, Gary Neville. Just stick to football. You know who they are. I've never stick heard of him. football is what? Gary Neville's podcast. Rest is football is Gary Lineker's podcast. I'm a podcast mm-hmm. football fan. You're a yeah. podcast football fan. You uh, go, you go know, first you then. I- I'm everyone's going to want to see what with. I'm
0: going to say. Controversial. So you can go first.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go rest is football. Uh, big love. I really like the dynamic between Lineker, Shearer, Richard. Started it on BBC Sounds. Bought it over to Linux platform, they do have a real love of the game. It comes across, and you know, I'd, yeah, I'm, I, that's what I'm choosing. What about you? I I just think they're ridiculously
0: similar. Stick to football. This is football, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, what? No, I No, rest I found... is
1: football. Stick to football
0: rest is football i mean yeah straight away that confusing for me um very similar formats i did watch the beckham or no um, what was the first one they did on the never one it wasn't beckham was it It maybe it was just 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 their first one and if they i I think they must have said a hundred times yeah we've been planning this for months yeah we've been planning it for months months we've been planning this because i was like if they hadn't said that i think a lot of people would have said you've just took linica's idea and copied it but maybe they had planned it for months i don't know um i just think as a podcast i i agree with you i think the other one with sheer alineca and mika is better um out of everybody i think i like mika the best because he's just seems down to earth and a laugh um but yeah so i would agree with you on that one i'd I, I, look they're very look that they're, they're huge budget huge budget uh productions and uh fair play to them but um yeah. Sort of also say, we should man.
1: give ourselves a bit of a pat on the back as well you know I don't like to do it I know you don't like to do it too much but the other week when we were third in the podcast charts it was uh, Stick to Football had David Beckham as a guest Rest is Football had Thierry Henry had as, on as a guest and Peter Crouch had KSI Peter Crouch <laughs> had KSI and we were just in there we just me and you having a chat Obviously, it's moaning
0: so about BIR
1: exactly yeah. so that's that one sorted uh, a couple of fun ones um what in the community tab which we put up every week get involved in that if you want to get your question answered on the podcast no european football or conference league next season for manchester united which i sort of laughed at and then i thought hang on a minute it's a good question this is a real possibility
0: well it used to be no european football or europa league football because it was thursday night football but uh, let's go with the conference league um honestly i would rather have conference league football than none because I think it's a long week for a bit. I mean, Chelsea must be going through this at the moment, so it's probably more prevalent for Chelsea fans, but let us know in the comments as usual. I personally would rather have my club playing a game in European week and take the banter of it being the conference league than not have a game. I think everyone always goes, oh, it's good to have a week off on the training ground, but I actually think there can be, you know, I think it's one game a week when you're a top club. It's not enough. So for me, I'd go... I'd take the Conference League. As much as it would be embarrassing, I would take it.
1: Um, Just finally as well, a lot of people asking about the podcast and everything, but a lot of dream guests for the podcast. So I want to do this two ways, split it, because I think you'd have an interesting answer. Dream guest for the podcast in the football sense, but dream guest for the podcast, just any celebrity, and we can briefly talk about football, but then go into other areas.
0: Um, I think a, a dream guest for me has to be somebody that's, going to be a good conversation and not just somebody that you know is 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 a is a is a legend in my mind because you know I I would like Roy Keane but obviously Roy Keane does a podcast every week with Gary Neville so I don't think that would necessarily be good apart from the fact that I'd get to talk to him so I think I'd probably go for somebody like um Sir Alex Ferguson someone like that you know you know an absolute bucket list legend that and look Sir Alex Ferguson might go and do Gary Lineker's podcast or whatever but obviously we're talking about on our podcast and that's one thing. People can say, oh, we get this guest, we get that guest, but it's very different when it's on your own podcast or show, isn't it? So yeah, I think I'd go with someone like that. Be very interesting.
1: What, what about a celebrity guest?
0: Celebrity, um again, I think I'd go for somebody old school, legendary, where you could just, you know, try and absorb as much of their greatness as you could. Um So I'd probably go with somebody like uh, a Pacino, really. Someone like that. I think just the films he's been in and the stories he'd have to say. Just when I was out, they pulled me back in. That was rubbish. Sorry, who's that? I can't do You're right. I can't do impressions You're with headphones feeling. on because, yeah, it's like being partially deaf. I, can't, I don't know what my voice sounds like. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, Pacino um, for it's... me. Come on, what would yours be?
1: Um, I'd probably choose Lukas Jutkiewicz and I'd probably choose The Rock.
0: <laughs> yeah. So all, I've always wanted... I've always, I'll have always, tell Rock. you what, I've always wanted... I was down in London last week and I've, I was talking to somebody about this. I've always wanted... Ooh. I always loved Parkinson.
1: Nice. I know he's
0: dead now. Rest in peace, yep. Michael. Nearly forgot his first name then. I was going to call him Roy. Um, he's all right, Roy. Um, he, it was just... A, uh, but anyway, so with... Yeah, I've always, I always loved Parkinson and I'd love to just do that sort of a series of, and it doesn't matter if someone nicks it because no one can do it like we would do it. So I'd love to do Goldbridge every, every Thursday night at nine o'clock on BBC, Goldbridge. And I just interview two or three people every week.
1: Yeah. Nice little band. You could get in there as well. Bring him yeah. on. Yeah. Okay. Well, Be great. Well, Strings should, to Goldbridge's blo- bo- blow. Bow. Bow. Christ, that's a different show. Um, Let's. Are we doing a?
0: Are we going to do a hangman? People really do like it, you know.
1: Well, I've 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 put someone (laughs) down, and I've also said last ever football hangman because I think we can do better, but. Maybe maybe we could put it up to a vote. Should football? Well, Hangman Yeah, right
0: well, end. Well, there is. I can do a poll on Spotify. We can do polls, so we'll do a poll on Football Hangman because I, I, we're a bit indifferent to it. But I also realised that people were going mad last week because it was Vincent Company, and they they seemed to really enjoy it in the comments. So we're all about you, as you know. So Will, you've got a name.
1: Yeah,
0: we're going to fire through these a lot quicker than we normally do. Yeah, go. On. Am I British? Yes. Do I play currently in the Premier League? No. Uh, Do I play currently? No. Did I play in the Premier League? Yes. Did I win the Premier League?
1: Um, I don't think so. I'm just double-checking now because I knew that question would come up and I probably should have researched it. No, you didn't. Am I English? Yes.
0: 6... Um, did I play for England? Yes.
1: Over fifty caps. Just double checking for you, Mark.
0: Oh, no. just double check. No. Okay. So, never win the Premier League. Don't play anymore. English uh, striker. No. I'm struggling here. I'm on eight. Um, uh, did I play in the Euros '96 with Venables?
1: Uh, you didn't play, but you might have been there. Oh. Uh, Did I play for a Midlands club? Squad? Did you play for a Midlands club? No. Well, no, no, you didn't, no. Rob Lee. No, think further back. David Sorry. Platt. Between the sticks. David Blatt, Platt. No. Mm, mm, mm,
0: mm, mm. I've run out of clues. I, this is a good one, this one. I'm ap- I'm absolutely stumped, yeah. and everyone at home will be. He was doing Goal what you keeper. were doing today. Oh, goalkeeper. I've, got, I've had a hint here. So, um, wouldn't be David Seaman. Chris Woods. Ian Walker. No. no. Didn't
1: play. Nigel Paul
0: Martin. Nigel Martin. Nigel Martin. Correct. Nigel Martin. Yes. Got
1: it. Everyone at home is going, who is
0: that? that? Crystal Palace.
1: Yeah. Leeds. Great goalkeeper, I think. If David Seaman hadn't been about it, he'd have got many more caps. I just absolutely loved him. And I bought a goalie top in Euro 2000, I think. Lovely little number Hmm. it was.
0: Well done. There we Let go. us know. We'll Thank do a little do. bit of a poll on that. Um, we're back on Friday. We will we'll have Goldbridge back on Friday. I'm le- I'm leading four two on that at the moment. So Will needs to have a good think about five scorers for the week, and we're adding a goalkeeper in for a clean sheet. So we'll be talking about that on Friday. And we're sort of up in the air at the moment on what our main topic on Friday is going to be. I did have a few wrote down. I think it was overrated Premier League eleven or underrated Premier League eleven or all time Premier League eleven. So oh sort of...
1: I'd like to do an all-timer
0: maybe do all-timer then get in the comments let us know uh, Will thank you for coming on as always
1: thank you Mark for having me
0: and thank you everyone for listening you know what for an international show I think that was brilliant so make sure you give us a follow give us a five star review give us a comment and we'll see you again or hear you again or speak to you again on Friday thanks for listening bye <laughs>